Thank you. Pastor Barber, wow. That's some big shoes to feel. It's good to see everybody tonight. I'm thankful that each and every one of you made it out to midweek service. Something special about midweek service. I've seen a lady healed of cancer at midweek service. God can do awesome things on Wednesday night, amen? Pastor asked me to fill in in his absence tonight. We miss him when he's not here. Aren't you thankful for our pastor? Amen. He and his family are at a conference, and we're so thankful that they get to enjoy that. Aren't you thankful for what God's doing at LifePoint? If there are any guests in the house tonight, we welcome you. You're in the right place. Don't be a stranger. Come back often. We love each and every one of you. We encourage you to come back. It's for the faithful saints tonight. Thank you for coming out as well. Such a joy and privilege to share life with each and every one of you. So let's get started. I feel like speaking to you something that God has placed on my heart. If you're going to help me preach, somebody say amen. So let me get started. I want to speak just a few minutes from this title, Turn the Power On. I thought Anthony was going to preach my sermon. So we must be on in the spirit tonight, amen? Before we get started, let's pray. Father, speak to us tonight. Let your word go forth and not return void. Open our ears to hear and our minds to receive your word. We pray that in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. You walk into a room, it's dark. You can't see a thing. That is, until someone flips the switch and turns on the light. You look for an outlet to plug your phone into or plug your computer into, only to find that all the outlets are full. Ah, but there's a solution. There's a little thing we call a power strip. Recently, I read a story in the news about the Russians trying to hack into our power grid, our nuclear plants, and water supply. It seems as if there's always a blame game story that you can rely on in the news these days. But nevertheless, the Russians were unsuccessful at hacking our power grid. Energy Secretary Rick Perry said the prolonged cyber attack demonstrates exactly why he is creating an office of cyber security and emergency response. The new office will consolidate and strengthen efforts to combat the growing nefarious. I had to look up nefarious too. It means wicked or criminal. To combat the growing nefarious cyber threats we face, Perry said. 
adding that his department worked closely with other federal agencies and energy providers to help ensure that hacking attempts failed or were stopped. There is a nefarious attack at work in our spiritual lives today. It's a stop at nothing, no rules, no shame in my game kind of attack. It's a sleight of hand, do whatever the enemy can do, stick and move, unfair hack into your mind and into your life. Brothers and sisters, there's an adversary that has tried to hack into our lives and shut off the lights or turn out the power source. However, I've come with a message of hope tonight, and I've come to tell somebody in the house tonight that you can be of good cheer because the agencies of heaven have ensured the hacks have either failed or been stopped. Amen. A young boy traveling by airplane to visit his grandparents sat beside a man who happened to be a seminary professor. The boy was reading a Sunday school take-home paper, and the professor thought he would have some fun with the lad. Young man, said the professor, if you can tell me something that God can do, I will give you a big shiny apple. The boy thought for a moment and then replied, Mister, if you can tell me something God can't do, I'll give you a whole barrel of apples. Let me get right to the point tonight and go all in and put all the cards on the table and say that we have an unlimited supply of power in our lives tonight. Let me take it a step further and say I feel an awakening in the people of God and in this church to tap into that power source and to turn on the power. Somebody said amen. Consider just a piece of the story of Samson found in Judges 15, 14 through 15. The Bible says, when he came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting against him. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily so that the ropes that were on his arms became like flax, that is, burned with fire, and his bonds broke loose from his hands. He found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, reached out his hand and took it, and killed a thousand men with it. One thing that is so interesting to me about this passage is, in my mind, I would never look at the jawbone of a donkey and think to use that object to kill a thousand men. I know times are different, but think about that. A jawbone of a donkey. Of course, I've never been looking at a thousand men to take my life either. So maybe therein lies the secret. But there was something that came into my spirit about that, and it is this. Many times we look around at what we have laying around us, at what life is throwing our way, and we think, what can I do with that? We look at that jawbone 
or where our lives may be positioned. And we put limits on what the power of God can really do in our life. But I want to tell somebody here tonight, pick it up. Pick up your jawbone. Pick up what seems crazy to you or what looks impossible or whatever life, whatever is left of your life, and turn on the power. Jesus meets with his disciples in the book of Matthew 28. Verse 18 through 20 reads like this. Then Jesus came to them. Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always even until the end of the age. It says, I am with you always, not just on Sunday and not just on Wednesday. He is with us always, and all power, all authority has been given to him and has been given to us. Amen. You know, I was thinking about many of the great miracles in the Bible. Pick your story whichever one you want, Daniel in the lion's den, Joshua in the walls of Jericho, Moses leading the children out of Israel. I thought, what must it have been like for each individual and each situation when they realized the power that they had working in them? What was it like for Moses to be looking at Pharaoh's army behind him, and then to stretch out his staff over the sea for the first time. He had never seen a sea parted any other time that I'm aware of. So what must it have been like to stretch his staff out over the sea and turn on the power? Amen? What was it like for Peter to say those words to the lame man at the gate in Acts 3? I don't have any money. But what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. Somebody say, turn on the power. Our biggest problem, though, is we doubt our ability through our fears and our failures. And the devil knows this. Not to give the devil too much credit, but he knows if he can get you pushed down with fears and and failures, then he can try. Notice I said try. He can try to magnify your fears and failures to the point where you never step into your destiny. Listen, I've walked this path. Doubt will stifle your faith. Doubt is not of God. Let me say it this way. Doubt will turn your power off. Doubt will cause us not to focus, will cause us to focus on what we are not instead of what we are. Doubt will begin, we begin to look at doubt and we look at our problems instead of faithing our problems. For the Bible says that we are to walk by faith and not 
by sight. Thankfully, thankfully, I've never had the lights turned off in any house I've ever lived in. I've always been able to make enough pennies to at least keep the lights burning. But I've lived through a few power outages. I've lived through a few hurricanes. And let me say this. When you're accustomed to living with power and the power goes out, you'll do whatever it takes to get that air conditioning back running, won't you? You'll stand in gas lines. You'll buy a generator. You'll do whatever it takes. So I pose the question tonight, what if we were like that with the power of God in our lives? What if when we felt our spirit to drain a little bit, what if when we would start to recognize the warfare going on in our lives and in our minds, we would go into that whatever it takes to keep the lights burning mode, whatever it takes to keep the power on. Somebody said amen. What if we would say, Father, I'm a little weak today. I feel like the power is starting to drain a little bit, but I want to keep the power turned on in my life. For your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. There is a serious need in this day and hour to tap into that source of power. And one way we tap into that source is through prayer. We will never make it without prayer in our lives. Prayer plugs you into the power. Prayer will turn the power on. But let me ask you some questions. Why is our walk with God sometimes a crawl? Why the lack of passion at times for our Savior who gave his all for us? Why the lack of victory over sin in our lives? Why the lack of power to shake this world for Christ? The words of Billy Sunday ring true. He that is a stranger to prayer is a stranger to power. You see, the angel fetched Peter out of prison, but it was prayer that fetched the angel. There is power in prayer. Prayer reaches across the divides. Prayer goes where we can't go. Prayer touches what we can't touch. Hallelujah. And if we are ever going to get to that victorious point in our lives, We've got to take control of our faulty sin nature and our life problems in prayer. I like the way that the NIV portrays James chapter 5 and verse 16. It says the prayer of a righteous man are powerful and effective. Prayer changes the atmosphere and lately I feel a shifting in the atmosphere here in this church and in my own life amen now let's look at the power in worship listen to this 
and write it down if you have a pen or if you have your phone open in your notes. True biblical worship so satisfies our total personality that we don't have to shop around for man-made substitutes. True biblical worship so satisfies our total personality that we don't have to shop around for man-made substitutes. But isn't it amazing how we get so sidetracked, bouncing around for satisfactions in this life when the only true satisfaction is to bow the knee and lift our hands and worship the Creator. Worship is a weapon. Let me say that again. Worship is a weapon. It's not just these motions that we go through of hands lifting up or hands clapping to a song or dancing in our worship services. Romans 12 verses 1 through 2 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Worship changes our demeanor. Worship changes our attitude. Worship causes you to not be conformed to this world. That is why we can come into the house of God on a night like tonight, tired from the day, beat down, and feel God's love and power when we lift that hand and say, I love you, Lord. I need you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I need you, God. What is worship? Worship is to feel in your heart and express in some appropriate manner a humbling but delightful sense of admiring awe and astonished wonder and overpowering love in the presence of Almighty God. To worship God is to recognize His worth or worthiness, to look Godward, and to acknowledge in all appropriate ways the value of what we see. The Bible calls this activity glorifying God or giving glory to God. And it views it as the ultimate end. From one point of view, the whole duty of man. Scripture views the glorifying of God as a sixfold activity. Praising God for all that He is and all His achievements. Thanking Him for His gifts and His goodness to us. Asking him to meet our own and others' needs, offering him our gifts, our services, and ourselves, learning of him from his word and obeying his voice, telling others of his worth 
both by public confession and testimony to what he has done for us. So let me ask you tonight, has Jesus done anything for you? Is it worth testifying over? Amen. This is worship in its largest sense. Petition as well as praise. Preaching as well as prayer. Hearing as well as speaking. Actions as well as words. Obeying as well as offering. Loving people as well as loving God. So there is power in worship. Never, ever underestimate the power that you can turn on in true worship. And lastly, tonight, I want to talk to you about power in surrender. If we are ever going to truly tap in to God's power and all that he has for us, we are going to have to submit and surrender our complete and total will. James 4 and 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Notice it didn't say resist the devil, then submit yourself to God. The order is submitting first and then resisting the devil. This is so hard in our world today because we have so many things in our lives that we just go about in our own way. How we want to live by default spills over into our spiritual lives. I'm guilty. We do just about everything we want, when we want, and how we want. The problem with living like this, though, is the power begins to be cut off in our lives. We begin to go about life how we want to do it instead of how God wants to lead us and guide us through this life. Just a little further down in James 4, chapter 10, it says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. I don't want to live without God's power in my life. Isaiah 64, 48, or 64 and 8 says, But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are the potter. And all of us are at work in your hand. And so tonight, I want to ask all of us, what do you say we turn the power on? What do you say we turn the power on in our lives and we walk victoriously through the power of God? As we wind this thing down tonight, I want to give the charge that either you can turn the power on in your life tonight or you can say, maybe some other time. I'm not ready right now, but one day soon I'll be ready. Stand with me. The musicians come.
I don't know about you, but I need the power of God turned on in my life. Amen. I'm going to submit my will so that I can resist the devil when that day comes. I'm going to worship God with all my heart. And I want to daily walk with him in prayer. Last thing, and I'm going to ask if maybe we can all come down around the altar for a time of prayer and worship. Have you ever been in a house that the power's been turned off? It's not a very pleasant atmosphere. You aren't greeted with the sweet-smelling aroma when you go in. There's something about the power being turned on. Power gives and creates life in each and every one of us. So what do you say tonight? Is there anyone that wants to come down and turn on that power? Hallelujah. Is there anyone that maybe the glow of the Spirit has been turned off for a while in your life? Maybe you need a refreshing before heading out into the rest of this week. What do you say? What do you say? Turn the power off.